Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, also of Dogs 24-7. Rusty was not able to get with us today, but big news. I mean, big news this week, big news today. Jordan Davis coming back for senior for his senior season. I guess he's got two more years of eligibility left, but um, he's coming back for at least one more. That's massive uh, for Georgia. JT Daniels announced earlier this week that he'll be back. We expected that. James Cook coming back. Um, uh, Devontae Wyatt taking advantage of the SEC, I'm sorry, the NCAA's rule that this year doesn't count against the eligibility of any player in any sport, um, and he's coming back for another year. Uh, the Bulldogs have had some guys leave. Aziz Ojolari uh, is on his way out. Uh, Tyson Campbell on his way out. Um, the rest of the seniors at this point right now, um, you know, any ever all of them that have declared except for Wyatt have have shown that they're out. And Eric Stokes before the bowl game, he's gone. Um, but Kip, and I wanted to start fast here, man. the The scorecard is virtually even if if you compare them side by side with Eric Stokes and Aziz Ojolari and and Tyson Campbell leaving, um, and along with those seniors. Uh, but you, you know, you got Wyatt, you've got Cook, you've got Daniels. And you've got uh, Devontae Wyatt coming back. So it's not like Georgia has a bunch more guys that are coming back than are leaving. Why does it feel that way, though? Why does it feel like Georgia's getting a lot of big victories here right now? Because, I mean, it's a much better feeling, I feel like, a much more positive feeling than, than last offseason and, and, and especially the offseason before that whenever you know, they lost Isaac Nauta and, and Miko Hardman and, and Elijah Holyfield. Why does this feel so much better, you think? Well, also, just to throw in there again, center Trey Hill also leaving for the draft. But I hear you. I mean, I think it feels like a net game for Georgia. Just if you just look at the positions involved, you know, with Trey Hill and Ojoari, I mean, they're outstanding players. But I think from Georgia's perspective, they they do kind of seem like positions of depth. Uh, you kind of saw with Georgia, I mean, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, those kind of guys – they have guys on the edge that they can kind of depend on and lean upon this year while while some of their young guys get some experience. Trey Hill, I mean, they have Warren Erickson, Cedric Van Pran. Those guys have kind of been that heir apparent at the center position for a while now. So I think Georgia is is ready to kind of you know get the next guy ready at those positions. But it seems like a big win just because of the positions of the guys that are coming back. I mean, obviously with Daniels. I mean, the quarterback position has kind of make you know has been make or break for Georgia in the Kirby Smart era so far, and you know you got kind of a taste of what JT can do when he's on the field these you know the last couple of games. And I mean, for Georgia fans, they were watching it, kind of thinking not just what could have been, but what is possible next year. You know, and getting him back with that group of pass catchers that he has gives Georgia a chance to to be a legitimate contender next year. 
And so it's huge for him. And then obviously Jordan Davis, I mean, that we've seen what the defense looks like when he's not in the field. I mean, he's a difference maker. And so arguably the, you know, the, the most important player on Georgia's defense this season and last season has been Jordan Davis. So I just think those two guys, getting those guys back and getting Devontae Wyatt, I mean, that defensive line with those two, with Trevon Walker in there as well, and Jalen Carter, that that's a group that's going to be up there among the best defensive lines in the country. So I, I just think you look at those guys and, and, and you have to be excited if you're a Georgia fan, if you're a Georgia coach, because you can build your offense and defense around those players. And, and so – for Georgia to have a chance next season, those are the guys they needed to come back. Now, obviously, you mentioned the cornerbacks. That position has gone from the, you know, probably the deepest position on the roster to now the most experienced. That is something that, you know, Georgia will be looking to the transfer portal most likely to find replacements, but they'll be, you know, they've been able to get experience and depth in the transfer portal every season since Kirby Smart's been on the roster. I have no doubt that they'll find a guy or two at cornerback that should be able to help them next year. I'll tell you what, though, Kip. Here's the thing about this that 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 impacts the cornerback position for me. And it's when you get Devontae White and you get Jordan Davis back. And, and I mean, listen, the JT Daniels thing is absolutely huge, too. But, but when you're just looking at the defensive side of the ball, we're, we're just losing the most – Getting Jordan Davis and getting Devontae Wyatt back, already the number one run defense in the country, Georgia. Fewest yards per carry, fewest yards per game. If if you want to take some of the pressure off of your secondary, off of what's probably going to be a young secondary, whether they get a good guy in the portal or not, it, it's kind of irrelevant right now. I mean, you would love to get Tyson Campbell back or somebody like that. Um, but either way, you were going to be young in the back half. Well, Getting Davis and, and Wyatt back, you take the pressure off because you're able to continue to make teams one-dimensional. And I think that's so massive. You know, listen, you're losing Azizo Jalari plus those cornerbacks, that's a blow because you usually lose your, your best, most consistent pass rusher as well as your cover guys. But you still maintain that nucleus up front where Georgia can continue to be dominant against the run and, and maybe protect – uh, a guy like maybe it maybe it's uh you know nylon green back there maybe keely ringo whoever it is somebody's probably going to be playing back there somebody is going to be playing back there at cornerback that hasn't played a ton of snaps at cornerback and you know right now as of as we look at it you know that tyson i'm sorry tyreek stevenson uh may have a chance to play cornerback as well and if and if he's the guy um, you know, if he's a guy that can play cornerback, and, and listen, uh, there's some rumors out there that Tyreek Stevenson may be considering a transfer. Don't have any update on that right now. We just know he may be considering a transfer. There's some buzz there with him in Miami. But if he comes back, he'll be the most experienced. But he has one start there. He has one real game where he has a ton of action. That's the Peach Bowl. Ended up making a big play to help win that game. But what, you know, Keely Ringo, Nylon Green, Jalen Kimber – None of these guys have played a ton of cornerback. Even if you look at Amir Speed, who's who's going into his fifth year w with the program, um, he hasn't played a ton. But the fact that you can make a team one-dimensional with what Georgia has up front and what Georgia's returning on that defensive line and be dominant up front, I mean, that has a chance to take a lot of pressure off of that off of that uh, uh, secondary and, and, and maybe make this defense better. Because I feel like this year Georgia took some chances – to get more pressure, to create more negative plays because of the guys that had in the back half. 
they won't be able to do that as much, but they may not need to because they're going to be so stinking good up front, especially on the interior. And then you've got guys like Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith. I mean, there's a couple five-star prospects who are going to get their opportunity to kind of rush the passer and, and be effective against the uh, against the pass. Trayvon Walker, another five-star prospect. I mean, Jordan Davis, in hindsight, you probably look at him and say he's a high four-star, you know, or a, or a five-star prospect. Devontae Wyatt's been highly productive at that position as well. And then, you know, Jalen Carter's coming back. I mean, there's so much talent there um, that, that you have to look with. Uh, Kip, as far as the guys who have declared coming back already, and we're going to do this with the guys who haven't declared yet um, later on in the show, but as far as the guys who have declared coming back, who's the most important? And I mean, I think obviously JT Daniels is has got to be high on that list, and, and maybe we can exclude him. I think both of us would say that. But maybe, maybe outside of JT Daniels, of the three guys that return, who do you think is the most important? I got to go. I mean, Jordan Davis is the easy answer here. It's just I've seen what the defense looks like when he's on the field and when he's not on the field. And just in that peach ball, I mean, that video of him uh, just just chasing down Desmond Ritter, it, I mean, they're right. 330-pound guys aren't supposed to move like that, and he does. That's what makes him special. And just watching him in that game, with with you know you have players opting out, uh, you know preparing for the draft. Just watching Jordan Davis in that game and just how much fun it looked like he was having out there when he ran to the bench. You know after after blocking the kick, it's it's just that guy is Georgia's program right now. I mean he he shows you that people have talked about Kirby Smart, the trajectory of Georgia. You know, have they taken a step back each year? I mean, the end results of the season show you that the last three seasons, you know, they, they have gotten further and further away from the ultimate goal as far as the results are concerned. But if you, you look at Jordan Davis and just his mentality and just you can see it in the message of him returning, he is the heart and soul of that Georgia program right now. And if you want to look at whether or not players are buying into Kirby Smart, look at a guy who had a great chance of going in the first two rounds uh, of this year's NFL draft and choosing to come back for unfinished business. Uh, that says it all. I mean, that is exactly what Kirby Smart needs as far as just having someone to buy in and then seeing him do that. I mean, the other players on that team are going to go, this guy just turned down first two-round money to come back to Georgia and try to play for a championship. I mean, that that's a great recruiting aspect, but it also, again, it just shows you that these players, there are still guys that are buying in to what Kirby Smart is telling them, and it, it, it gives you promise for the next season and beyond that, you know, this guy thinks enough of Georgia and what that coaching staff are trying to build there to delay that paycheck and come back and try to play for a title? Yeah, I think that's pretty elementary. Uh, probably a bad question by me because that was kind of obvious. Let's, let's, let's turn it to this then, Kip. Who made the best decision uh, out of all of those guys? Everybody's eligible here about the guys coming back. Who do you think made the best decision? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I, I just thinking about it, uh, I think – I mean, we're we're gonna keep JT Daniels out of that one as well because I think him putting on out more film would be very beneficial for where he goes and potentially draft next year. You know, I'm just really, really intrigued by. I mean, I we've said this at least a dozen times in the podcast, but 
what James Cook could do with more touches. <laughs> we don't know what Zamir White's going to do at this point, whether he leaves the draft or not. But, you know, if he does leave for the draft, you know, again, that's, that's even more touches that are available for James Cook. And it's the guy that you just kind of saw, you know, in Todd Munkin's offense. You, you saw him, again, productive, catching passes out of the backfield, uh, 16 catches for, for 225 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Still highly efficient as far as, uh, you know, carrying the ball out of the backfield as well. I mean, if he can improve as a blocker and get, and get some film in that aspect as well and then increase touches – I mean, he's he's got a chance to, to be, uh, you know, a legit NFL prospect, and I, I think he could really flourish. Uh, I may I don't know if he's going to be a feature back at Georgia because they they have guys. I mean, Kenny McIntosh looked outstanding, and, and you know, Kendall Milton is definitely very physically impressive and did well in his playing. And you know, you're you're bringing in another guy and uh, Lavasse Carroll, who I mean, could be another. James Cook type player in that offense as well. But I mean, I just a whole off season in a Todd Monken offense. If you get actual spring practice, you're able to get reps. Uh, I just think that he could be a, a definite game changer for Georgia. And, you know, let's see what happens. We've been waiting to see James Cook uh, kind of break out and year four. I mean, we've, we've seen it happen before with, with senior tailbacks uh, at other programs. I, I think James Cook could be that guy for Georgia. All right, I I kind of agree with that, but I'm also – I think Devontae Wyatt made a really good decision. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, you, I think the running back position is such a crapshoot as far as health, and, and James Cook has some has some injury history. And, I, I listen, I, I'm very much like a comeback guy. I, I don't criticize anybody for leaving, but if you're not a surefire first-round pick, I think – uh, oftentimes I'm like, come back. But even if it's a running back, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about this second contract thing and all that stuff. That's great. But with the average shelf life of an NFL running back, like three or four years, I feel like running backs really do themselves a favor uh, if they can make sure that first contract is as lucrative as possible. I mean, you've got an opportunity that if you're a first or second round pick, maybe even a third round pick, you you can make life-changing money. I mean, you can make six figures, seven figures, and, and really change some things for yourself. Give yourself some runway to kind of figure out what you want to do with your life if football doesn't work out. But I, I always understand it when running backs go because James Cook's had some injury issues the past two years, and and I would have understood it. I think Devontae Wyatt made a tremendous decision because when when you start talking about more games for a defensive lineman, and, and obviously those guys can get hurt too, I think Devontae Wyatt has more left in the tank as far as a disruptive, dominant, productive uh, defensive lineman. Like I think he can, I think he can put more pressure on the quarterback. I think he can have more tackles for a loss. And I think uh, the second half of the season this year, he was thrust into a position where, you know, listen, they listed Jalen Carter as the nose tackle on the depth chart. It was Devontae Wyatt playing over the nose. Devontae Wyatt was the one in there playing the two gap and, and, and eating up two blocks and keeping the inside linebackers free. He was the one playing nose. So that, I think that may have taken away from his tackle for loss and sack production. Like if he comes back with, with Jordan Davis – who will be in a contract year having a chip on his shoulder. He'll be drawing some one-on-ones. And I, you look at a guy like Devontae Wyatt, I see potential there to be a five-sack, eight-to-ten tackle for a lost guy. He comes back and does that, 
he's a freak athlete who can test out of this world at the NFL Combine. I mean, if he goes I, I from see it, a comp here. I mean, it, it, the way you're describing this, it reminds me of Dalvin Tomlinson in Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, that's that's a very good one. I would agree with that. And and you know, if he can come back and have that type of year, I mean, I really think that he could boost himself up into a second day pick. And and because listen, this cat is going to put on a show at the NFL Combine. He's he's strong as a bull. I think he'll do great in the in the uh, in the bench press and all that stuff. But he's going to run a really good forty for a three hundred pound lineman. Um, he's not the tallest guy. I think that's one of the things that that and and that's not a big deal in the NFL anymore because you've had guys like Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald and and other really talented, shorter, quicker guys come through and and have so much success. He's got good length, but but he, he's going to show some serious quickness. He's going to test really well, and I think if he can check off that production box in his final year at Georgia, that is going to be massive. And I think he can really come on and, and, and make some noise and become a better draft prospect. Kip, let's take a break real quick. On the other side, I want to go to the guys who have left already and, and, and maybe pose the same question I just did to you as far as that, something in the same vein. And then let's talk about the guys who still have an opportunity to make a decision to stay or leave. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, Kip, not going to run them down for you uh, because I think you've probably you've got a better hold on them than I do because you corrected me and added one. Uh, but which which guy that Georgia has lost thus far that has declared, and you can go senior or junior, is the biggest blow? Which one is hurts Georgia the most, the one that, that, that leaves maybe the biggest shoes to fill? I got to go with Tyson Campbell. I, I think we kind of had a feeling that Eric Stokes – this was going to be his final season. And we also, I mean, we, we've talked about on the pod that we thought, you know, Tyson Campbell uh, as well. But still, you know, he had a chance to come back and, and still provide better film. I mean, he, uh, physically speaking, he's in that top 15, top 20 players, you know, overall. If he comes back next year and, and – you know, he has an all all conference season. I mean, he could still be a first round pick, but you know, the the level of play from him was kind of inconsistent. I think that again, he he had something to gain, but you still understand why he did it because he's again he's gonna test well. And it whether he's a day two or day three pick, he's gonna get drafted. But for Georgia's secondary, I mean, like we said earlier, oh, you know, losing – you got Richard LeCount, you know, you got Tyson Campbell, you got Eric Stokes, you got DJ Daniel. 
potentially, you know, you have Tyreek Stevenson contemplating his future at Georgia. I mean, the secondary right now is is looking like it's going to be completely replaced other than who is seen out there. And so, you know, that that is the major question mark for Georgia going into the spring. And, and again, they, they're going to need help there. They obviously, you mentioned some young guys that are going to have an opportunity to step up in spring practice and, and again, gain valuable reps. But Tyson really was a guy that I thought, you know, he could have came back and really not only helped Georgia, but, but helped, helped himself. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes for him. But, I mean, Georgia's got a lot of snaps to fill, for, you know, in that secondary. And it's, it's, it's a question mark in my eyes for sure. I'm going to go with Trey Hill. And my reasoning behind this centers around what returns on offense. Because with James Cook coming back, Georgia's not going to get gutted at the run, running back positions. Zamir White still has a decision to make. They got the quarterback back. Um, the receiver position is is as stacked as at his, is as it has been at Georgia in a very long time, maybe ever. But the losses are are look like they could be coming from the offensive line, and and we'll get into what we think Jamari Sawyer's going to do, and 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 all that stuff here in just a little bit. But I feel like if you can get Trey, if you would have been able to get Trey Hill to come back and get Jamari Sawyer to come back to join up with Warren McClendon. Then all of a sudden, you're losing, you know, maybe Justin Schaefer, who still has a decision to make. You're definitely losing Ben Cleveland. Um, I just think that would have been really big, whether he was going to play guard or whether he was going to play center. I just think getting more offensive linemen back was going to mean bigger and better things, bigger and a higher ceiling for that offense. And, and listen, we all know what offense means now. It means more than it ever has. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to put up points. You've got to be able to not only – and listen, the, the, the bowl game taught us that you got to be able to run the football too. I mean, I know everybody is, is, is super enthralled with that passing game. And, and you know, yeah, got to get the passing game going. George threw for 390-something yards and struggled to put up points because it couldn't run the football. It couldn't get a second and two from the Cincinnati 18-yard line. Um, in the in the second quarter, that would have probably kept Cincinnati from getting a touchdown before the half, and, and would have given Georgia a chance to put. The, you know, so you got to be able to run the football. The offensive line is massive when it comes to that, and you know I just think if if you get Trey Hill to come back, then you've got some leadership there, you've got some continuity there, and uh, you get to play a second year in the same system. And you know, no matter how things were shuffled around, I really think that that is the biggest blow. Uh, thus far, because I just think that that it, experience is at such a premium on the offensive line. But listen, there's not going to be a talent deficit, just like there's not going to be in the defensive backfield um, for Georgia, even with all the place, all the all the uh, guys they've got to replace. Um, there, there's going to be no talent deficit there, and there's going to be no talent deficit on the offensive line. So that's that that is a, a positive to pull there. All right, Kip. There, there are a few guys that still have uh, decisions to make. When you look at underclassmen, guys that that are are not seniors, not necessarily underclassmen, but they're not seniors. Um, I think Jamari Sawyer and uh, and Zamir White are the only two guys as far as that category goes. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything from Kiaris Jackson, but don't necessarily know if he's even considering it. There's some seniors, interestingly enough who have not made it known whether or not they're going to take advantage of the ability to come back or not. Justin Schaefer, Mark Webb, uh, uh, Demetrius Robertson. Um, did I, 
first of all, if you need to add anybody in there, add somebody in there, but, but what, where does, I don't necessarily want to say where does Georgia stand, but, but how high of a percentage do you think Georgia really needs to bat here with those five guys left? How many of them do you think they need to come back and, and, and who are those guys? Obviously Sawyer's one of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just mentioned Trey Hill and, you know, I know that fans are always looking to the next guy, the, the, you know, because Kirby Smart recruits at such a high level. You got highly rated guys coming in in each class. But this is a position where I'm going to kind of go that direction, say it's time for the next group of offensive linemen to step up. And, you know, the offensive tackle position. I mean, I think that it's time for the, you know, the highly recruited guys offensive tackle, these guys to come in year two under Matt Luke and be ready to become an impact left and right tackle. And Jamari Sawyer, I mean, a guy that you plug him in at left guard, you don't have to worry about that position anymore, in my opinion. And I think it becomes, you know, a consistent area of strength along the interior offensive line. And then, I mean, it's kind of a compound effect. You bring him in, are you, you know, if Justin Schaefer returns, you're, you're, you're able to, plug him in in Ben Cleveland's position. Now, what you've talked about as far as having experience along the offensive line, they, they would have that, you know, at both guard positions. And that would be a position that I don't think Matt Luke would, would really have to worry about. You know, Schaefer really getting that chance to, to become a starter this season, some up and downs. But, I mean, whenever he was, whenever he was, was bringing his A game, he was pretty solid out there. I was impressed by him. Uh, you know, overall, of all the guys along the offensive line, he kind of surprised me whenever, you know, whenever he was he, he was having a good game. I mean, some struggles there. Uh, a guy that you didn't think he would be an impact starter, but you thought he'd play pretty well, and I, I thought he did. So I just think that, you know, those two offensive linemen have a chance to return and, and give Georgia some continuity at that position and allow them to plug in some young guys and get those guys – experienced and and you know allowed them to potentially turn into impact guys uh, in the second half of the season w- would be huge for Georgia in my opinion so I just think definitely the offensive line for the reasons you said and just for the the fact that you're able to move some guys around and and, and bring some of the younger guys in and, and still have that caliber of play that that Georgia's expecting uh, you know on the offensive line with with the running back group, past you know, past catchers and JT Daniels, I, I think that that really allowed them to kind of continue to improve and develop in that Todd Monken offense. Yeah, having Sawyer back, Kip, is big. If Georgia can get him back, and listen, I, I do think he's going to come back. Um, is big because even if they move him to left guard, you have a security blanket like none other at left tackle because he made nine starts there this year and he played the position at a really high level. And, you know, pro football focus graded him really highly. I don't always take their uh, their grades as gospel or anything like that. You know, you, uh, it's not super transparent as to how they go about it, but they do put the work in and that's to be respected. Um, but he played high left tackle at a high level. So if they move him into left guard uh, because that's more of his natural position – and they struggle at left tackle, whether it's like Xavier Truss struggled in the bowl game or Broderick Jones ends up out there. Maybe Amarius Mims comes in and wins it as a freshman or or Warren McClendon flips from right to left. Whatever happens there, if somebody struggles 
Matt Luke and Kirby Smart have the luxury of walking to Jamari or inviting Jamari in the office and saying, hey, Jamari, um, know your NFL futures at left guard, but we're struggling at left tackle right now. We need you. And they that that's huge. I mean, you want to talk about a security blanket that's massive. Uh, you know, as far as Zamir White goes, um, I really don't know what he's going to do. I, I, you know, I heard early in the week that he might be leaning. I'm hearing more now that it might be 50-50, uh, leaning towards going. And, and now it's more like 50-50. I think getting him back would be a huge boost because of the way the team views him, how hard he works. He's, he's got a Nick Chubb-like work ethic and, and uh, you know, quietly, you know, with, with just as many explosive runs, 20 yards or more, as, as Najee Harris through 10 games. Um, you know, Harris has a couple, uh, one or two more now that he's played in uh, a few more games than White, but was right there. I mean, listen, Najee Harris has been the more effective back this year, but but White has had most of his season played this year without really a serious downfield threat at quarterback, without the real f- striking fear into the opponent um, with the passing game, and and I think he could be in for a massive season. I mean, he was he would have been on pace to rush for a thousand yards in a 12, 13 game season this year. Uh, so you know, I think he's a guy that that you know definitely if you got him back, it would be a big boost. But I don't necessarily know that it's necessary. Outside of Sawyer, Kip, I think the biggest one is Mark Webb, and I'm I, I'm very he's already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. That doesn't matter. That doesn't eliminate the possibility that he can come back for his senior year. It just means he jumped on the opportunity to do that if that's what he decides to do. The fact that he has not made a decision yet um, intrigues me a little bit because I don't think Mark Webb – I still think Mark Webb's raw at the defensive back position first and foremost because he was recruited as a wide receiver. He spent a lot of his high school career at wide receiver, and he's been playing defensive back for four years. He moved around a little bit, played corner for that first year, um, played cornerback mainly as a sophomore and then really and, and played some dime and then really moved to nickel as a junior. I, I just think there's more in the tank there. And I also think he's a good football player. He's real physical. He's a very um, physical tackler, very sure tackler. But just that experience, because you've got the star position taken care of. If you, know, if you get Stevenson, uh, Stevenson comes back, maybe you move him to cornerback, maybe you put Mark Webb at star, and then you've got Lewis Seen and Chris Smith at safety. You don't necessarily feel so inexperienced in the secondary there because you get a chance to put a young, very talented guy at cornerback and kind of fill out that group. It gets a little more dicey when you move to a six uh, defensive back set. But just that experience, that that the, the plays that he's made, the football that he's seen, I don't think there's any question, right, Kip? I mean, as far as the seniors left to declare, if you had to pick one, it had to be Mark Webb. Yeah, I mean, as we discussed earlier, that secondary, lacking experience potentially, you bring back Stevenson and Webb, I mean, you, you, can, you can go with that group. Like you said, with, with Seen and Smith, Stevenson and Webb, I mean, you're potentially in that, I mean, what is mostly the base defense these days, you're only looking for, for one new guy at cornerback, and whether that's one of the young guys or transfer, you feel a lot better about that group if they're all healthy, if you have Mark Webb there. I mean, he's – I mean, Kirby Smart's been high on Webb throughout his time at Georgia. Uh, you know, this past season, I know that he would love to, to have back uh, – you know that pass that you know where he, he didn't reel it in in, the, in that game in the late game the loss to Florida a chance to redeem himself you know and, and really kind of write that last chapter in, in his career at Georgia and maybe 
boost that draft stock up and, and potentially, you know, become a middle rounder. I mean, again, physically speaking, he's got a lot of ability, a lot of talent, and he's only going to get better with experience. And I think he's, he definitely has a chance to, to get a lot of that at Georgia and to, I mean, to be a leader on this defense along with some of the other guys we've mentioned. So it would definitely be huge for Georgia if it happens. It's something that, you know, a couple of weeks ago we weren't really putting a lot of thought into, but, uh, you know, here we are discussing it. And I, I think that if you're talking about Georgia having a net gain on the departures and guys coming back, I, I mean, if you're able to keep a guy like Mark Webb, I, I think you have to look at this overall offseason as a win for Georgia. There's no doubt, and and if you if you just take and say, hey, um, you've got a good player there, Mark Webb. I, I don't necessarily know that I would call him. A, I think he's had some great moments. I think he's done made some done some great things at Georgia, but you've got a good to great player there. Not an elite guy, not a game changer, but in this scenario, getting a good player back changes the complexion in a major way for that defense because. Not just for the experience, but but because of the because of the the versatility that he has, because he does so many different things well. And listen, I know Mark Webb's been beating on a few passes, beat against Mississippi State for a big game, beat against Murray State a couple years ago for a big game. I get that. I know a lot of times these guys show up on film. Well, twenty three is chasing this guy when he's running for a touchdown. It's his fault. He's not very good. Mark Webb playing that star position plays the toughest position defensively in all of college football because everybody he covers has a two-way go they can break in they can break out the pick plays the slot fades the the you know you're, you're having to depend on the guys behind you because there's just no way to really bracket a, a slot receiver effectively and a hundred percent of the time and, uh, and and it's just a very difficult position to play and he's been more than competent at it he's been very good at it at times and and at other times even when he's not playing the pass very well he's a very good blitzer and he's a guy who can make plays in the run game for you and, and you need that and uh you know there, again you i think you hit on a big you know thing there too is when you get these guys to come back the leadership aspect cannot be downplayed uh you know it seems like you know forever ago but i was right there when nick chubb and sony michelle and and Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy walked into to the room and and declared they were coming back for their senior year, and that was the that was the launching point for a thirteen and two season, an SEC championship, a Rose Bowl victory, and an appearance in the national championship game. We'll have it all covered for you over at Dogs twenty four seven. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs twenty four seven. He's Kip Adams from the same place. You guys take it easy.